stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. While 51% of the vote passes the constitutional threshold of a majority, it clearly is not adequate support to continue on as leader. And that is why tonight I have informed the president of the party of my intention to step down as leader of the United Conservative Party. Well, yeah, look, the people there were shocked. And I think uh, a lot of people listening and watching were shocked. You know, shock waves throughout the entire province, whether you were for or against Jason Kenney. That's pretty significant. He's resigning. Somebody else is going to be the premier. Jason Kenney romped to victory in 2019 after racking up all of these uh, political wins along the way. Doesn't even make it to the next election. Three years as premier, and that's it. So this leadership review didn't quite go his way. Technically, he was on the right side of the results, but 51% support within your own party, it's hard to move forward. And so Jason Kenney saw the writing on the wall. How did it get to this point? Why did this happen? And, and what next? Well, for some thoughts, we turn to a veteran political observer, a veteran scribe, Rick Bell, columnist for the Calgary Sun, calgarysun.com. Rick, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Anytime. I mean, look, you've covered politics many years. You've covered many premiers. You've seen much drama. Does anything compare to, to what we saw last night in, in the lead up to it? I mean, this this was wild. I, I was I was there uh, March 2006 when Ralph Klein got the 55.1 percent, and then you know, and that was you know the beginning of the end of his political career, and that was just sort of a that it was almost inevitable, but still sad for reasons I won't go into because that's past history. Yeah. But it was almost inevitable that it was his time to go. So it was just more of a wistful kind of nostalgic, uh, sad. The fact that the exit had to be that way. It's sort of like watching a hockey player who was a star and then, you know is playing long past their best before date. In this case, it's no secret. I wrote many, many columns uh, between the time Kenny came back to Alberta, if you will, and led his project to unite two conservative parties into one and went all through to winning the 2019 election. I wrote many columns talking about him being a principled conservative, a person who was a good speaker, a person who had a command of the policies that would define a conservative, um, a person who had a track record in Ottawa as a cabinet minister that even the parliamentary press gallery members uh, acknowledged was a good one. Uh, and then as time went on, after he was elected, of course, uh, uh, the bloom went off the rose, so to speak, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I changed my mind. And uh, so when I look at it now, I I look at it as uh, seeing him up there last night, seeing his followers. There is no amount of self-reflection that was done, and that was his downfall. They didn't listen. They didn't look in the mirror. They didn't you know, adapt when they could. They didn't listen to advice. They're still not. They're still, I'm getting angry emails as we speak, 
Say, you killed it. You did it. You yeah. did it. No, I didn't do anything. No. You did it. You did it. You wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. You write columns. You don't. You know, they weren't listening to any of that. He wasn't listening. They weren't listening. They were in the comfy, comfy self-entitled cocoon. And then suddenly this ugly thing called, called reality came calling. And yeah. it was 51%. And even then, when he announced it was 51%, the supporters he had around him believed he would hang on. And right. some of them are even saying today he should run in the leadership race again. Right. Like that's how they are proving the hypothesis that many of us hold that he was out of touch. They're proving yeah. it even now. In defeat, they're proving it. Well, that's the thing. Well, Jason Kenney obviously has been an incredibly successful politician. And as you look at what happened when he came back to Alberta, wins the leadership, unites the parties, wins the leadership again, wins this huge majority. Uh, did he believe, did he start to believe that he was invincible? Did he start to believe his own hype? Is that part of what got him in, into this trouble? Right. What's that? Uh, what's that great biblical line? Something to the effect of "Pride goeth before the fall." Yep. And I think that's the case here. Remember how many times, even right to the end, did he say, "I know how to win elections. Right. I've won twelve elections." You notice he didn't win the unlucky thirteen. Well, I mean, he did win fifty-one of fifty-one point four percent, but that's not a real win. So, yes, of course, that's all. That's all in the mix. That, that uh, you know, with the not listening, with the arrogance, with the not entertaining other people's views, with having a top-down style, with being a one-man show, with coming out and being Professor Kenny many, many times too often, with not recognizing when the uh, travel scandal handled, uh, happened during the lockdown. You know, I, I told people I was gobsmacked because I couldn't believe he wasn't, you know, taking that seriously. The tone deafness on so many items, the arrogance of even many of his inner circle, the picture of them on the Sky Palace patio, it goes on and on and on. You do those kinds of things because you do not think there will be any consequences attached to them. And I do not believe he thought that. I believe he was, in his own mind, the smartest man in any room, uh, they we fulfilled ninety percent of our campaign promises, don't you know? And he thought with the economy, with oil at a high price, people would start feeling better, and it would all fade away. So when he was faced with the crisis, COVID, um, you know that didn't help things. But part of that was the style that he brought into it was very hard to reconcile all the views on COVID. No leader did that anywhere in the world but he fared worse than most even on yeah. that file well and that's the thing i mean obviously this was a factor clearly yeah. right the, the last few years certainly would have been different uh, had it not been for the pandemic but we can't chalk all of this up just to covid can we no i mean it, it, you know uh, you know i've known jason for 29 years when he was a fighter for the taxpayers and i was covering yeah. Ralph up in Edmonton. That's where I first met him, 1993. So I've known him a long time. So if that's what Kenny needs to get to sleep at night, well, so be it. I understand that. But it's not real. If he wants to say, you know what, I'm still a movie star, 
It's just COVID came along. Every time I have talked to him, I spoke with him just a few days ago, and I tried my damnedest in my questions to get him to at least, I didn't want him to say sorry for anything necessarily. I didn't want him to to shed a tear, but I wanted the man to at least tell us that, have a plan for going forward, you know, I'll listen more. Maybe I didn't listen enough to the MLAs. Maybe I, you know, just something. I'm not talking about he has to grovel. I'm saying just something. But he did not, it was so apparent to me, he did not believe there was a problem, number one. And he sure as heck did not believe he was a big part of the problem. We've written this. I'm not the only one who said this, and I'm not the only one who has said this who was more enthused with him a few years back than now. So there were people saying this, and it was crickets from the other side. In fact, I will say this. This time yesterday, there were people close to him who were saying there was a path to 75% support. He got 51.4. There are cabinet ministers who today, in his inner circle, I'm surprised. I can't believe it. They're the same people I interviewed last week, and I said, what's going to happen? And they were all a win, a win, a win, and we're just going on, and we've got plans for the future, and rah, 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 rah. And they were talking as if they had already won the Stanley Cup. And it, it, that's just so much evidence mm-hmm. that they're that they were out of he's out of touch, they're out of touch, and you know there are some MLAs that were, you know, as many as ten who at various times expressed reservations about the premier. But uh, you know it's it's a very very strange picture today well it is and we you know we can speculate obviously about where this party goes from here who might you know seek the leadership of this party all of those questions uh you know yet to be answered but there's that lingering question of what kind of a shadow is kenny going to cast here is he going to try to stay on as interim leader is he going to you know tease uh, about maybe running in this leadership race like <laughs> he's not is he going to go quietly or what, what are you expecting here well uh <laughs> I, I'm laughing not because it's not a good question. I, I'm laughing because, uh, you know, you know, do we have to get the security at uh, you know McDougal Center to you know drag him out or what? Yeah. I mean, it, it's I don't know how much of that is J.K. Mr. Jason Kenny, and how much of that is actually the people around him, mm-hmm. because as you know. If you are the premier, and then you are no longer the premier, and you are working in the premier's office, you don't have an office to go to anymore. So there's a big vested interest in people on the political staff to try to get him to hang on uh, in whatever way. I mean, this idea is going to run on leadership again. I mean, quite frankly... It's going to give me a lot of readers, and it's going to sell a lot of papers. So you know, fill your boots, Kenny. But I, I look at 
right now, conservative politics in Alberta is so bizarro land that I'm not ruling anything out. It's just, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it is. But, you know, who knows? It's just uh, at the moment, it's a real mess. It's a good way to put it. Your latest, it's up at CalgarySun.com, and obviously we'll see what the the coming days bring us in terms of uh, twists and turns in this weird saga. But we'll leave it there. Rick Bell, always appreciate it. Thank you so much for making some time for us here this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Uh, there you go, one and only Rick Bell, a veteran columnist uh, for the Calgary Sun, calgarysun.com. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back a little bit more on some of this political drama. Well, the UCP caucus is still meeting at this hour. Decision to be made, I guess, about who's going to lead this party until the party members have a chance to choose a permanent leader. But the mere fact that we're having this conversation or that the caucus is having this conversation is still difficult to process. It was quite a shocking moment last night to hear those words coming out of Jason Kenney's mouth, that he is resigning as leader of the party and as premier of the province. Think about it, what he accomplished in coming back to Alberta, uniting these parties, winning the leadership, romping to victory in the 2019 election, only to see it all come to an end three years later. I think there's going to be much written about all of this, and maybe it's going to take some time to fully process how it all got to this point. Where did it all go so badly for Jason Kenney? You know, the next election could have been a competitive one, but party members decided they didn't even want it to get to that point. That the situation was so bad that Jason Kenney needed to go now. Quite something. Joining us uh, for some thoughts on, on how it all got to this point and what it means for the party, what it means for conservatism going forward. Uh, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this afternoon, uh, someone who certainly uh, has uh, some inside experience when it comes to politics, conservative politics in Canada, working as a strategist and advisor to, among others, Stephen Harper. Uh, he's with the uh, Max Bell School of Public Policy at McGill University, also with the C.D. Howe Institute and Conservatives for Clean Growth. Ken Bossenkuhl joining us uh, on the line here this afternoon. Ken, good to have you with us here. Welcome back to the program. Always good to be back. Well, <laughs> your own reaction, just how it uh, felt hearing that last night and, and what it represents to you. You know, I spent a whole bunch of time on my motorcycle yesterday uh, riding around the province, uh, stopping to check the numbers from time to time. And I, I was... I had conditioned myself not to be surprised at anything between 35 and 65. Um, I, I really didn't. I didn't have a. I didn't have a good handle on what was going on, but my 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 gut was telling me it would be closer to 35 than 65. And as it turned out, it was about smack dab in the middle. Um, and uh, I think the the night played out as it had to, given the result. What was a survivable number for him then, do you think? I mean, it's a moot point now, but, but what were your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I, I, was less, I was less interested in what the number was than what he had to do after he got that number. Right. And my own view was that it didn't matter whether he got 55, 60, or 65. What needed to happen is that the people who were actively organizing against him, a number I put at somewhere between 10 and 16 members of caucus, had to be immediately removed from caucus so that he had a governable, a governable government coalition. And so I was less interested in seeing what number he got if he passed than seeing whether he had the ability 
to create a caucus that could actually run the province. Right. And, you know, he, he was in no position to start making those decisions with, you know, that kind of a, a weak showing in the vote, was he? Well, not only that, uh, you know, if, if you if you were to say to me, Ken, you can be premier tomorrow uh, without going through any of the leadership races, we'll just give it to you on a silver platter. I'm not sure I'd be that interested in taking it. And not because running the Alberta government wouldn't be amazing. But this caucus, this is something else. Uh, and, you know, getting a grip on the, on this particular caucus with their propensity to take things outside of caucus and, and, and you know, not, not have discussions within, but have them all spill out into the public. Uh, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough puzzle to put the, to put back together. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, look, there's a whole leadership race to come, and we don't know how that's all going to play out, who's going to run, who's going to win. But, you know, you touch on a big problem for the party here. Those that are happy, gleeful that Jason Kenney's gone, those that are upset, sad, dismayed. How do you bring all of those people back together? Yeah, I, I think there are a significant number of people in caucus that would never sit in a caucus led by Brian Jean, and there is a significant number of caucus that wouldn't be willing to sit in a caucus led by, I don't know who's the who's the Jason Kenny person, like who who Sonia Savage Kenney? maybe, or yeah, Jason like Nixon, I mean, yeah. got, you know, like so. I just think it's hard to imagine a leader. Uh, people who have been prominent on either sides of this struggle, how they can bring all of these people together. Um, that's going to be the central challenge of this race. And the race itself is going to, you know, if Brian Jean runs, if, uh, you know, if all these people run, that race itself is going to sow even more divisions in the party as the race unfolds. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we need a third way. Maybe we need, uh, you know, I, I was very involved when Jim Dinning in the Jim Dinning leadership race, and you know, Jim Jim and Ted Morton came to uh, came to uh, I was going to say blows, but they were more verbal blows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as a result, the party chose Ed Stelmack. Yeah. Right? There was a third way because I think party members at the time said, "Look, we want Jim Dinning in our party, and we want Ted Morton in our party, and it looks like the only way we're going to get that is to vote for this other rural guy and who's been okay." And that's how we ended up with Ed Stelmack as premier. So maybe, maybe there's a third way. You know, I've written that what Alberta needs more than anything else right now is good, boring government. And, uh, you know, maybe if some boring guy pops his head out or boring gal pops her head up, uh, that's, the, that's the way we should go. I don't know if conservatives want boring. I mean, you know, Pierre, Pierre Polyev looks poised to win the federal conservative leadership. And, you know, he seems like a guy that's willing to, you know, bang on some tables, knock over some desks, shake things up. Do, is that what conservatives want? That they don't want a boring leader? They want somebody who's fiery, somebody who's, who's going to fight, somebody who's going to stir things up? Yeah, well, September's a long ways away, so I'm not going to make any prognostications on that. What I would say, what I would say is that, you know, Alberta, everyone thinks that Alberta is ideologically conservative. And it's just, it's just false. Mm -hmm. Alberta spends more than anyone else. Alberta owns a bank. Alberta has more restrictions on private health care than anyone else. This idea that Alberta is somehow this conservative ideological bastion is just not true. What is true is that Albertans have a conservative disposition. We like to reelect the same party over and over. We like our traditions. We like our history. We like things more or less the way they are. And when things get rocked in Alberta, we tend to 
have those things imposed on us by global oil prices, and we tend not to like to rock the boat that much ourselves. And what gets mistaken in the rest of the world, and what I think Jason Kenney, frankly, made the mistake, is he confused a conservative disposition for a conservative ideological position, and he brought this ideology to Alberta that didn't really fit. And he, frankly, didn't bring a conservative disposition, especially when the pandemic hit. So I, I think that was his problem. And the challenge is, how do you bring a conservative disposition without the crazy ideology? Well, that's the thing is we try to read into what party members voted for, voted against. Uh, you know, was it because Kenny was not willing to listen? Uh, you know, it was, it was too much of a top-down approach. Was Kenny not conservative enough? or not forceful enough with, with the feds? Like, what did him in here with party members? I, look, I think, I think he brought a conservative ideology without a conservative disposition. You know, Stephen Harper, who I spent 15 years with in one way or the other, uh, believed in incrementalism. He said, mm-hmm. we can do all the things that conservatives want, but we have to do it one step at a time. And there wasn't that, that conservative disposition to be happy with what you have and to be nervous about radical change. Kenny didn't bring any of that to Alberta. And, and I think that that lack of, of a conservative disposition is ultimately what did him in. And, and I think that came to the fore during the pandemic. He would swing for the, you know, swing for the lockdown fences one week and swing for the letter rip. Uh, offenses on the other side the next week and there were these big swings in attitude and, and communication and the way he characterized his opponents there's just there wasn't a there wasn't a conservative disposition in Jason Kenney it was it was our side it was almost a religious fervor to the way he pursued his agenda and I just don't think Albertans pursue things in quite that way well, and, and there's an opportunity for the party to learn those lessons. I mean, it's possible maybe they'll learn the wrong lessons, uh, you know, because just based on, on who's already inclined to want to step forward and lead this party, I don't know if they're learning the right lessons. And so this this could be uh, an interesting few months here for the party. <laughs> when hasn't it been an yeah. interesting <laughs> few months for the party? Uh, yes. I mean, I, again, I, I just wish we'd just get to some good, boring government. Um, that's what I wish for. I'm not tremendously hopeful that's what we'll get. But certainly if some candidate came along and just said, I'm just going to run the government. I'm not going to have a big, wide, right-wing agenda. I'm just going to run a good, boring government um, they certainly get my support, and whether there's enough members in the party that they'd get more support than that uh, remains to be seen. But I think that's really what Alberta needs right now. We'll see what happens. Ken, always appreciate it. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Of course. Thank you. All the best. Uh, Ken Boston Cool, he's uh, J.W. McConnell Professor of Practice, Max Bell School of Public Policy, McGill University, Research Fellow, C.D. Howe Institute, founder, Conservatives for Clean Growth, as mentioned, former advisor and strategist to uh, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. So that's what he's looking for. I don't know what party members are looking for. Like, what did they not like about Jason Kenney? What are they hoping to see in a new leader? Are, are, are UCP members, uh, do they have too high standards? Are they looking for perfection? Like, what is it party members are looking for? What did they not like about Jason Kenney? I'm not a member. I didn't vote in this race. I mean, I don't speak for party members. You know, we can make assumptions about certain issues, but honestly, I don't know. I've heard anecdotally from people, sure, a lot of it had to do with COVID measures. I've heard anecdotally from people, a lot of it had to do with maybe not being forceful enough in, you know, picking fights with uh, Justin Trudeau and the federal government. 
or it came down to, you know, Jason Kenney's own personal style. He was ignoring the grassroots or it was just, you know, his way or the highway. And maybe it's all of those things. Maybe it's other things. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Rob Breckenridge. You can email me, rob at 770CHQR.com. Talk to you next time. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.